and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt. Matt, my name is Matt. And I'm Matt too. We're going to talk today about immunization. Public hearing on March 13th that started at 1 o'clock p.m. Now, I heard a rumor about this. Yeah. That as you're listening to this pod right now, <laughs> still going. Still going. All right, so so let's back up a little bit. The day before this, this whole thing is supposed to happen, get an email from Ms. Jane Deneen over there, who's, who's the clerk in charge of the Education Cultural Affairs Committee. And she basically says, all right, we've already received a bit of testimony. We know this is going to be kind of a day. So we opened, the, we opened testimony at noon. I mean, sorry, we opened the testimony at 1. But starting at noon, we'll start taking your names down. We'll start writing your, write your names down. And so you can put your names down so you can have your time. Uh, people have three minutes to talk. Um, and they're going to do a rotation of they're going to hear, hear 10 uh, uh, in favor, 10 against, opposed, and 10 neither for nor against. And they're going to keep in that rotation for the whole day. Slash week, slash month. So testimony starts at 1 p.m. Now, i got to be honest. I did not start listening at that point. I was in other meetings that day, and I could not listen. However, in fact, I got home at around 5 o'clock at night, uh, 5.30-ish, had dinner with my family. Um, helped put my helped read some Harry Potter to my my youngest. Um, she went to bed. By now it's eight thirty at night. I I say I want to see if this is still happening because it couldn't possibly be happening. And I go to the live stream, and seven and a half hours later, there was still testimony happening. I know someone who went there that day. Um, to provide testimony or to at least to sit in and to be um, a, uh, a person in the crowd to support one of the bills. And she told me that there were four overflow rooms that were completely full to capacity. And she just wound up walking around the state house, not knowing where to go because she was like, I don't know where to go, where to stay, where to listen. So I'm just going to go home. <laughs> We're recording this 121 hours after it started. Yes. And I hear rumors it's still going. It might still be going on. I will say I I, I, tur- I, I listened for a while. I listened for a while. And at, at, you know, and at 10 o'clock at night, at 10 o'clock at night, they've been going for nine hours. Testimony was still happening. And I said, I got to go to sleep because I have to work tomorrow. <laughs> Do you think that they take like a supper break? I don't know. I wondered about this. It's like, could I mean, because there's obviously hundreds of people there. In fact, how many pieces of testimony? Well, so there were two bills. Um, LD nine eighty. We'll get to them in a second. LD nine eighty seven, an act to provide autonomy for healthcare providers to practice patient centered care by amending the laws governing medical exemptions to immunization requirements. That one had fifty nine pieces of testimony. New record. We've only we, the, the the most we've read so far is fifty five. And actually, as we're recording this, we haven't even done that one yet. Coming soon. Coming soon. The other, LD-798, an act to protect Maine children and students from preventable diseases by repealing certain exemptions from the laws governing immunization requirements, 527 items of testimony that are currently on the DOE website or the, the, the committee website. That's a lot. Over, over the two bills, over 600 pieces of testimony. Holy moly, this bill sparked 
opened a Pandora's box of immunization. It's like they were canceling <laughs> high school basketball or something. The way they got the crowd. I know it was it was just <laughs> craziness from what I hear. So let's talk about the testimony. Sure. For let's kind of talk about both of them at the same time. All right. So because they took them both at the same time, right? They yes, it they wasn't said one after another this time. They combined them. Right. They, they 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 combined them. In fact, they said at some point, you know, for some of the people, we see your name on both this one and the other one. Just speak to them both now, because if you want to wait, that's fine. But it may, it will be several hours before we might get to the other bill and get through that. So to to honor your time, just talk to them both right now. So the first one was the 798 one, repealing the exemptions. It basically, that and all it did was be waived requirement of, uh, let's do this one again. The requirement may be waived for a person who objects on the grounds of sincerely held religious or philosophical beliefs to get out of immunization. That was repealed. Yeah, so so the only way you could get an exemption, if, if this were to pass through, the only way you could get an exemption for an immunization is with a medical exemption. A political or ideological or religious exemption no longer flies, no according longer. to this particular bill. And the second bill. Now I will. Now there's a, there's a little there's a little asterisk to that too. Mm-hmm. It's important to remember because this this part was often forgotten in a lot of the testimony. The medical exemption is still there. So right. so the students who have some kind of immuno problem who cannot get a uh, a vaccination because of a physical limitation or exceptionality, they're exempt from still exempt from the immunizations. Mm-hmm. It's everyone else who isn't. The second one, right, which was 987, basically turned the medical exemptions into the sole discretion of the person's health care provider. Yes. And that the local school district board, school, and the state department of education, state board of education, and anyone who might have anything to do with any education could not adapt or adopt rules saying that the other way, other means of exemption could work. So you... Local school board cannot say, nope, we know the, the law says medical, but we're also going to say political, ideological. Can't do that. No, 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 no. So 600 pieces of testimony later. Oh, <sighs> well, well, it's a lot of reading. A lot of reading. A lot of reading. And I, I read every piece, uh, bit of uh, – I didn't read every piece of testimony. i got to be honest here. And I really didn't read any of the testimony here. <laughs> so we're going to go with the fact that Matt listened to some of it? I listened to it. I, I read a lot of it. So I, we're going to go with that. So, so we're going to give you the general gist of things. All right. That's just it's just how we operate. So on the one side of the issue here, you have people who are saying, what are you doing? Come on now. This is ridiculous. And then on the other side, you have people who are saying, what are you doing? Come on now. This is ridiculous. So the, the people on the on the one side of who are for 798, who are for only allowing a medical exemption. They came up with um, a lot of people who were for it were the doctors, the nurses, the public health practitioners, um, a lot of the organizations, uh, national, the, the statewide organizations, because they said things like um, words like herd immunity, where uh, if 95 percent of the population uh, is immunized from a particular sort of uh, disease like measles or mumps or whatever it might be, rubella, pertussis, um, Pertussis, see, callback. Um, then those that those population of students are likely to be safe. Mm-hmm. 
if if it were to come through because it, it won't it, it won't get through that immunity this is a question that was asked um, by Senator Pouliot a couple times. Uh, he said, so Maine is at a thing at right now, 95% herd immunity for things like measles or whatnot. We're already there. So what's the problem? Why, why, why do we need this? Mm-hmm. And the people, all the practitioners said, well, you need it because it's not all across Maine. Maine is 95%. But there are pockets where it's not 95%. It's more like 80%. If lucky in some if, right. right. And so that means that certain populations of students and kids are more susceptible, like students who cannot get an immunization, a vaccination. They can't because they have the immuno issue. Uh, they can't have the immunization. So in an area that has only 80 uh, percent immunized population, the herd immunity doesn't count. And those students are now more exposed to having that disease put into into them because they're not protected by the herd and that isn't the, just the people who have the, the immunization issues to uh, so they can't be immunized this was like with all the exemptions and everything right some of these places uh, Wh- like whatever the reason might be 65 so if those kids who weren't immunized were forced to get immunizations you probably be back somewhere up about the 95 percent part something like that yeah and that's the idea behind making kids get the immunizations in order to go to public school. Right, in order to get to public school. One of the one of the major arguments that I that I, I heard a lot was um, that there was a uh, just this month on March fifth, twenty nineteen, in uh, and I'm quoting from one of the pieces of testimony, a nationwide cohort study of measles, mumps and rubella, uh, which is the MMR vaccine. Hey, hey, hey. Where's pertussis? Uh, not, not not part of this one. I know they're 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 biased they're biased against pertussis. God, pertussis you know haters. where's that pertussis lobby with the with the p on exactly. there right uh, with this but this study uh, the study of that vaccine among over six hundred fifty seven thousand children that is a huge study. I thought you were going to say six hundred fifty seven thousand pieces of testimony. <laughs> Wait, no, that's this one. That's this one. Uh, so they did this. Stu- children in Denmark was released, and the findings from this large scientifically rigorous study. Study uh, strongly support previous findings that the MR, MMR vaccination does not increase the risk for autism, does not trigger autism in susceptible children, and is not associated with clustering autism cases after vaccination. So some of the case, some of the arguments for not doing vaccinations is because MMR causes autism. Well, this is one of the biggest studies that's come out that says that it well actually doesn't. There's no evidence that supports that. That was a recurring piece of testimony that I heard that I've also read through the in a limited piece of testimony that I've seen who are for 798 um, have gone and said. So I've also heard you say when we were talking about this beforehand that somebody asked, well, you know, we've heard uh, doctors on both sides of this issue talk right. about it. And you had something to say. Yeah, well, there, 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 were, there, were, there, were, there were doctors on both sides of it. And um, there were doctors on the side of um, – the research science and the medical science side, and there's the uh, naturopathy science, and there's the um, side of there was just there, there, there were doctors, people with doctorates and whatnot on both sides of this issue, um, and one of the one of the representatives I can't remember who right now um, off the top of my head asked that question. Said, "Well, we've heard from both sides. We've heard from doctors on both sides of the issue here. Um, so, what, who are we supposed to believe?" And one of the 
people who was there, I believe it was a, a physician or a public health nurse. I forget. I'm gonna, it was late at night. You know, it had a long day because, you know, I stopped listening at 10 o'clock, people. Uh, this is how committed I am to the podcast, all right? Um, so the, the, the person sitting up there said, no, no, no. You, you're, you're not hearing from both sides. What you're hearing is the medical scientific research-based community on one side saying overwhelmingly one thing. And then there's another side of other folks who are saying something else. But physicians and practitioners were all saying the same thing. So that's, and he said, okay, and then kind of moved on, <laughs> basically, because at that point I think that they were exhausted too, and they've heard they've heard everything probably a million times by that point. I am sure that that uh, is going to take a little bit, though. This neither of these have been scheduled for work sessions yet. Not yet. A few days ago, so it was only a few days ago as we're recording this, but um, I it. I haven't been paying attention to the de- to the legislative process for you know many many years now. It's been the last couple of years that I've really started to tune into it a little bit more, and I thought that the proficiency based diploma thing, I thought that brought people out. Holy moly, that was just a that that was that was that was you know rookie day. That was that was that was nothing compared to this. They're just prepping for this one. This was unbelievable how much how many people came out and wrote and read stuff and i honestly wish i really wish we could get the audio transcripts of some of them because i listened to some testimony that i laughed out loud at i i was some testimony i was like that's a very interesting point of view i never thought of it that way and some that i was just downright scared mm. just downright scared and when you said all the doctors were all the medical doctors are on one side and other people now that's me yeah that is me para, that is that is me paraphrasing the what we've read that's me paraphrase well well because it's very familiar for some other issues yeah because because you know this this issue gets a lot of attention mm-hmm. so i can very easily imagine that you know i don't want to be necessarily be attacked online for whatever i'm saying here but mm-hmm. but it's going to happen anyway happen. so but 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 there uh, there was that side of it that said you know People who are researching, if you really look at all of it, they're all saying the one thing. And it's that immunization, herd immunity is a real thing. And we need to protect the most vulnerable students. And if we were to allow students to not be immunized, that herd immunity goes down and is thereby jeopardizing the safety and security of that population of student. Now, what they are saying, I just want to make very clear on this one that you also mentioned, that this... They're not forcing immunizations on anybody. Not at all. They're forcing immunizations if you want to go to public school. To go to public school, which is a choice. Which is a choice. And which it is also a right. And I think it's missed in that sometimes that if you do this, you're also semi-responsible for other people. Right. At that point, which is fair. And if you don't want to do that, that's okay, but you won't get this in return. Right. And I think that's a missed point for a lot of this sometimes because you see they're eliminating the, the requirements or the, uh, the options to, to opt out, but that's only if you go to public school. Right. And if you don't want to go to public school because of this, then that's totally fine. Yeah. So regardless of when you if – you, if you're listening to this testimony right now, regardless of when you listen to it, uh, chances are that in room – might still be going. 
Chances in room 208 right now as we speak, there are cardboard cutouts of all of the representatives and senators there because testimony will still be happening on this issue. They've gone and moved the Education and Cultural Affairs Committee room to a different room, and people are just going to go into that room and provide testimony pretty much until the end of time. Nice. So this, these bills have ruined that room <laughs> because they're just going to be nonstop. So what we are going to do with these in particular ones are let you know when the work sessions are scheduled. Because, I, again, work sessions are for the committee. They can do whatever they want with them. But it's always a pretty cool, interesting uh, yeah. observation of what they do. You know, and, and it would be good because at one of our last podcasts or a pre previous podcasts, we mentioned that at the work sessions, they do this analysis of what happened in the previous testimony. And they give out, like, the blue sheets is what the we talk about. The blue sheets. I want to see the blue sheets for these. That would be worth right. To. That would be worth going and because they don't publish the blue sheet. Publish the blue sheets for crying out loud. We're gonna make that happen. We gotta make that happen. For our one goal for this pod. We've oh, we've got to make that happen. Sheets. But you know, we're gonna get you the blue sheets for this one. We're we gonna go get them. We'll 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 we will make that happen. I wonder because they're usually like a one pager, like maybe front and back. Yeah. This doesn't seem. That's what I'm. That's what I'm wondering. How how do they? I, uh, that's what I want to know is how do they summarize and the poor analysts who have to go through and read over 600 pieces of testimony, so much of it is going to be repetitive. I don't know how many form letters are in there either because – Speaking of repetitive, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you're listening to public hearing previews and then testimony reviews. Yeah. It's – can be repetitive. It can be repetitive. Especially since we're so good at previewing the bills. We are. We're very good at we we really have a a really a, we know the pulse of what's happening in Augusta and the and of the people of Maine. We we really we just we just get it. We, we get, get it. it. And with that, I think we're I think I think nowhere else to go. Okay. We'll talk to you. Bye.